Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes checking in here. It's a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. And, you know, we'll go 60 minutes like we usually do. It's going to be a fun show, you know, recovering, uh, not recovering, recapping, excuse me, the UFC Sao Paulo show out in Brazil. They hadn't been there in four years. They went back. Man, that crowd was really, really amped. Um, I wouldn't say they got treated to the world's greatest card, but either way, it looks like it was a good time, a, a home run for them on a fight night. And their main event went their way. Jelton Almeida getting the W over Der- uh, Derek Lewis. So we'll go over that card, that fight, the whole card, the latest news in mixed martial arts. We also got an interview with Bellator's bantamweight, Patchy Mix, who honestly has had a really, really good run these past three years, including taking down the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix. In the meantime, grabbing the interim title over at Bellator. Now he has a chance to unify against the undisputed champion, Sergio Pettis. $1 million. Two two belts. Honestly, he got the Grand Prix belt and the interim belt. So, come on. And he's dating Tatiana Suarez. That dude's winning. That's quite an MMA power couple, right, goes when you think about it. Patchy Mix at 18 and 1, and I think Tatiana's like 12 and 0. Like, seriously, that's that's no joke there, man. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's anything uh out there in the past that's even bigger, but that's I mean, even if you I look mean, at Caraway uh, was a little bit of a contender, like a top ten guy. I don't know if he made it to top five, and Misha was a world champ. Um, but no, I don't think I can think of, you know, Pat Barry might've cracked the top 10. He was probably more top 15, top 20 Rose world champ. So yeah, no, I can't think of one right now that jumps out at me where both fighters are in their prime at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, Patchy will join us in a bit. Let's talk about UFC Sao Paulo. So the UFC hadn't been there in four years. They went back for a fight night. Jail Town Almeida against Derek Lewis in the main event. Five rounds, right? And so here's the weird thing. Who didn't think that if Almeida won, it wouldn't be a sub, it wouldn't be quick? And who didn't think that if that didn't happen, well, then guess what? Derek Lewis must have caught him at some point, and more than likely kind of early. I didn't know anyone that said, oh, I think it'll be Almeida by decision. I mean, mm-hmm. Saying Almeida would win, that kind of gives you a a blanket, I guess. It can happen many ways. But by decision, no one I know said that. Yeah, especially like by decision and him 
having Derek on his back most of the time. Like as odd as it sounds, Derek just surviving those that those situations. There's so much to unpack because like you look at Almeida, and I think even in a victory, he's gonna go back and look at that and just maybe a year from now go, wow, I was just so much younger and inexperienced because I thought there were moments where he probably could have finished the fight. I thought there were moments where he could have maybe thrown some elbows and forced um, Derek Lewis into different positions. There, there was just a lot. But uh, Derek Lewis surviving five rounds and doing most of it off of his back was amazing. Yeah, you know, you said it because I was going to say something and I thought I'm going to get laughed out of the room. But I honestly was more impressed. I mean, hats off to Almeida. He got the job done. There were times where I thought, oh, man, he might have burned his arms out. He's frustrated. Um, He's inexperienced, you know, going 25 minutes. But he did keep coming back and landing key takedowns, winning scrambles, fighting for takedowns, even when Derek Lewis was either able to fight off a takedown or get up or whatever. So he didn't quit. He had no quit in him. I, I really, really want to say that first. But I still had this impression of Lewis like, man, sometimes you feel when Lewis loses, he just phoned it in, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. did he really do a camp? He, he makes great money. Good for him. He deserves it. He's a knockout artist. But sometimes when he loses, he just doesn't look great. And so you think, mm, how hard did he really work, right? But, man, I was really impressed with his ability to not get submitted come back you know to positions where you know like maybe sweep him or get back to his feet uh he was threatening with that uppercut i wish he would have landed one just to see what the reaction would be but um he just wouldn't go away and so what that tells me is he really has been trying to get better because almeida submitted a lot of guys early and let's not forget dc submitted um lewis early so Bravo to Derek Lewis and Jailton Almeida for different things. What I always look for in a fight is a great action from both guys or gals, and then for someone to finish the fight and just have a ton of momentum. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so a little bit of that kind of occurred, but not not too much. Um, it was more strategic. And Almeida is now 6-0 and in the UFC. If you think about it, it goes... This guy should be talked about the way Aspinall and Sergey are. He gets finishes too. They're just on the ground, except this time he didn't. And the other two have, and I think that's why those two just have more buzz around them. And to further your point even a little bit more about you know, possibly phoning it in, don't forget, he just got a gigantic pay raise too. So it's like even Derek, coming yeah. in. Uh, there's just so many reasons that he could have just maybe phoned this all in and, and decided not to. Like he fought till the very end. And I liked what his corner was even saying towards the end. You know, we've been here before. We we have seen him on the verge of losing and being able to knock someone out. So that's kind of the fun part about Derek Lewis is you just always feel like he's always one shot away from from leveling things out. But uh, it was Jaden Jelton Almeida's night, and uh, some of those takedowns were pretty, pretty awesome. There were times where I think other guys maybe would have given up in that situation Mm -hmm. and moved on to something else. But he stuck with some of those takedowns, and he was able to get the guy down, get Derek on his back. Uh, Some of the 
Like I, I don't want to give Derek too much praise because there were times where it was almost like, uh, you know, I, I hope this doesn't sound offensive, but have you ever seen when people were training with them dummies on the ground and they're just hopping mm-hmm. over them? Like he was just kind of hopping over them at times. Yeah. But, but he was. You mean Jelton uh, over Derek, right? Yeah, over Derek. Yeah, he gave a position really, really early. Yeah. Um, but I think this kid's going to get better and better, and, and I think he's going to be around. That's going to be the future of that division, though, you know, those three guys. Um, the And that's weird because heavyweights, we were always so used to seeing the same names at the top, but I think things are going to kind of move around in a different direction here in the next couple of years. Yeah. You know, I think part of it was, I think Lewis is just comfortable with someone in a mounted position. Um and I think a lot of fighters are. They used to be such a dominant position, but as long as he didn't give up his back, he looked like he'd be okay because Jailton just couldn't really get his offense going. Derek would tie him up with wrist control or just block a lot of his punches. A lot of times Derek was just riding out the the clock, you know, so he could get to the end of the round. But I was really impressed with him not giving getting submitted by the arm triangle. It looked like one time he had the mm-hmm. knee on belly and another time the fence was protecting him from going full like you know, a 90 degree angle, like when they secure it and then basically get to one side of the body. Uh, it looked like he wasn't putting in an effort to do that, but it could be that Derek was just too thick, you know, yeah. just too thick, had good defense. And, and that might've been that, but we, the times where the fight got exciting was when Derek kept weathering storm number one, which was basically round one storm. Number two, round two, he'd start on his feet, couple times he swept, got on top. And when he got on top, he started throwing some vicious ground and pound. I go, man, homeboy's going to pull this off. You mm-hmm. know, Derek's actually might be going get to gonna get a dub. But that's when Jailton shows, showed some heart. Even when they were standing and Jailton was going for the takedown, and there was a couple times where Derek was able to throw that elbow. And I just thought, man, that could be the beginning of something there. Like, there was always something in the fight that kind of kept things interesting. Um, but it at the end of the day, I mean, you look at the scores, it, it was just Almeida all day. It was very dominant. But those uppercuts, it, it man, they were Mike Tyson-esque uppercuts that were just barely missing sometimes. Yeah. I was hoping he'd maybe throw a knee like he landed on uh, Rogerio de Lima, Marcos Rogerio mm-hmm. de Lima. Um, but at the same time, I knew that if he didn't, he might set himself up for being up in the air and maybe Jelton being able to evade it catch them you know in an off balance position make the takedowns easier but at, you know like I, I mean i don't have the fight memorized but i think a good time to do that is with maybe like 30 seconds left a, a minute left if you're pretty comfortable getting taken down with four minutes and surviving then i'm pretty sure you can get taken down with 30 45 seconds left you know but maybe throwing some heavy artillery some risky maneuvers and just seeing if something lands, and if it doesn't, you get taken down. Oh well, well, we're we're starting a new round in thirty forty five seconds, but it mm-hmm. just didn't happen. But either way, I was still proud of, proud of the Black Beast. He 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 looks in a losing effort. I don't think his stock dropped as much. Now, I mean, there's gonna be people that, people that go fool. Did you not watch the fight? He kept getting taken down over and over. Well, he did. You're right. But Jelton's also one of the top fighters in the world, and he's very good at that. And Derek's not the greatest at, you know, he's there to pound faces. And, um, but like I said, I've just followed this guy for a long time. And I, I think, let me put it to you this way. I honestly thought it goes, if this guy got submitted in round one, 
And I know he's got a big contract. Seems like he's got a job for life until he loses six straight or something. But I would have said the obvious decline of Derek Lewis is here. And now he's just basically a, a gatekeeper to the top 10 or, or, or something like that, you know, but mm-hmm. Derek showed me that um, in a right moment, you know, like, like someone like Aspinall or Pavlovich, if they just want to stand with Derek Lewis, that could still be some trouble. For sure. Yeah. There's a couple guys like that. Like even, you know, I know these aren't the best times for Tuivasa, but there's just so much power in some of these heavyweights. Uh, uh, Tai Tuivasa. Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That even uh, they can just threaten at any time in the fight, and I think those are two of those guys that are just kind of similar in the sense that they're very likable. You could plug them in, and I'm not so sure they're worried really about like wins and losses and what it does to them. I think they just want to go out and put on a good fight, make some money. There's definitely room for something like that in the UFC for Derek. So I think Derek can keep doing this. Ironically, Jailton Almeida had said he was willing to be the alternate in New York for Aspinall and Pavlovich, which is this week. And that also allows me to remind you that we will have a watch along for UFC 295 this Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the main card. But Goes and I will go live at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the four fights on the prelim. And speaking of Aspen on Pavlovich, that's the co-main event, main event, Prochaska versus Pajeda for the vacant UFC light heavyweight title. The other one's for the UFC interim heavyweight title. So two heavyweight, two title fights, one for the interim, one for the undisputed. Should be a fun time. And uh, But yeah, I think those plans are off. When you go 25 minutes, I'm pretty sure you just want some rest. Can you fly there? And be there in the front row, sure, but don't play. You ain't no alternate now, pal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's the way the game is, right? Like those, those certain, even in a win, and as dominant as it is, people will still find ways to to pick holes in your game. And as a professional fighter, I think you have to be realistic and really sometimes not take everything to heart and see that there are some, there are still some things that I think that he could shore up a little bit in his game. And that being said, uh, not to sound like we're poo-pooing on the guy. Like, I think he's amazing. I I think he can get even better, you know, Mm -hmm. little by little. I think uh, you could have something there. It's unfortunate for me that in the main event, um, or sorry, you know, between Aspinall and Pavlovich, like two guys, it's unfortunate they're going to pick each other off. I would have liked to kind of see them both get shots at whoever top dog is going to be, right? Whether that's going to be John Jones or Stipe Miocic, I think it's unfortunate they're going to be picking each other off. But that's sort of the situation we're in. This this whole heavyweight division can be flipped on its head at the snap of a fingers. I, I think if John Jones today said, you know what, this sucks. Uh, recovering from, from this torn pectoral sucks. I'm done. I think Stipe might say the same thing. Well, I'm not going to stick around if he's not going to be around. And Next thing you know, these guys are the future becomes right now, right? Even a guy like Surreal gone, you throw him and he's got to be thrown into the mix. It's going to be so much fun and there's so much room uh, for these types of guys. But I, th- I think what makes Almeida so interesting is these guys really have to worry about if he gets a hold of you, it could be a short night. You know, I think Pavlovich maybe holds his own a little bit more in that department than Aspinall would. 
or surreal gone. So there is that advantage, but uh, it's going to be fun. The heavyweight division is going to be fun for a couple of years. I think I would agree with that. I think they got enough guys that are young and nasty, a couple vets and a couple of mid tier guys, you know, that have kind of been to the top or close to it. Cyril yeah. gone still around. Curtis. I don't Blades. know. Will there be grace with Ngannou again, man? Would I love it, but who knows? Um, but honestly, anything can happen. And I know some of you might be rolling your eyes, but Randy Couture left a couple times and he came back and he was a heavyweight. So I've seen this before. Um, our, our Lasky was gone for a while. Verdun was gone for a while. So it's not impossible. We'll see. Well, we won't hold our breath, but we'll see. But I, I just think that when you've ruled out Mio, you know what they should have done was just Aspinall and, um, Pavlovich for the title. If you know, what they should have done was ask Miocic. One of those two should have probably Pavlovich should have fought Miocic for the undisputed title. The winner gets John Jones when he comes back. But because they decided to do what they decided to do, I just think that that guy should be champ. And the first guy they should fight is Miocic because he's ready to go. And then the other guy will come back in here and then he'll get a shot. And then, you know, that's that. So, um, Pre- preserving a fight for all, for eight months to nine months, that's just trouble. So much can happen between now and then. You're just kind of holding up a division. Um, look, Amanda Nunes clearly won her last fight against Irene Aldana. I believe it was in June. She said, I'm retired. And only now over the weekend did we find out, oh, it's uh, – Raquel Pennington against Myra Bueno Silva for the uh, undisputed Bantamweight title. And that was with a clean retirement. Here with John Jones, we still don't know what it's going to be like when he comes back. You know, there's a lot of question marks. So imagine with them having an obvious path, and it took them this long to figure that out, mm-hmm. you know, how the other situation might come up with some sort of roadblocks or obstacles or whatever. And by the way, they still haven't even decided on what they're doing at Featherweight. I say they should give it up, but who knows, man? It's it's a mess. Dude, it's it's honestly I was thinking about something that we were going to talk about for spinning back click tomorrow. And it's like it's the oddest thing because I want to see both those fights, okay, this week. But at the same time, it's the weirdest feeling knowing that regardless of who wins the fight, you still can't really feel, even though they're gonna have gold around their waist, that that's the best person in each division. It's just the the oddest thing, right? Like, you're going to think of Jamal Hill. You're going to think of John Jones. You're going to think of Stipe Miocic. It's it's so weird. But the the fights themselves, like, are very captivating. If you break them down at what each guy presents and the, the type of fight that it could actually turn out to be, I'm in. I'm in for it. It's just a weird feeling that you're going to have at the end. I guess I hadn't thought of that. Um you're right. I mean, it could be that Mills is the best light heavyweight in the world, and he's just could sitting be, off right? to the sidelines, but he only got his chance because Prochaska, you know, gave up his, and, and that guy, you know, came up at the right time against Glover Tischer, and maybe all of them are honestly the best light heavyweights or can prove that they're best light heavyweights because John Jones just decided to move up, you know, but yeah, yeah you're right. There is There's just a lot of kind of doubt and uncertainty, and that shouldn't not after this, not after, not when we're celebrating 30 years, should we have these kind of problems? That was back at UFC 8. Oh, Marco Huas left. 
you know, or Maurice Smith uh, doesn't want to fight, or Randy Couture left to Japan, or whatever. We just don't have that many bodies. No, this is your 30th year. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, as far as Almeida goes, congrats. And if we see you in New York, or if you're in New York, fine. And again, we'll be hosting that watch along. Let's get to the rest of the card, though. I'll give you some quick results, goes, and you can pick out the fights you want to talk about. Nicholas Dalby, big upset, man, over Gabriel Bofin. Gave him his first loss. He was a huge underdog as well. Um, a few Brazilians actually lost on Saturday night, and some lost to other Brazilians, but some lost to non-Brazilians. Rodrigo Nascimento defeated Dante Mays. Kyle Barajo defeated Abus Magomeda. Um, Elvis Brenner defeated Kayan Kruszewski. Elizio Zaleski and Renat Fakradinov, Fak Fak something like that. Um, they ended in a draw. Victor Vitor, excuse me, Petrino defeated Modescus Buscacus. I thought that fight got stopped a little early. I low. I don't know if the outcome would have been different. Uh, Angela Hill defeated Denise Gomes. I enjoyed the fight. I really thought maybe Hill at 38 years old might just start to show you know, some slowing down and no, man, she's, she was fighting down takedowns, getting up from takedowns. So good for her, man. It's, honestly, I'm happy for her. Um, Ed, Eduardo Mora just mauled Montserrat Conejo Ruiz, Ruiz, excuse me. And Mark Casey defeated Kay, Kai Fernandez. Now a few fights fell apart during fight week and some on fight day. Um, if you're wondering about what happened to Rodolfo Vieira and Armin Petrosian, Petrosian got sick on fight day. He actually, I mean, this fight actually got cleared through the um, weigh-ins, right? Mm-hmm. And I was really looking forward to it, to tell you the truth. But Petrosian gets sick, so they'll look to rebook that. Uh, another fight that kind of fell through, what this was having to do with weights, was... Uh, Ismail Bonfim came in like three and a half, four pounds over. Vince Fischel, he came over by about uh, a pound, a pound and a half, except Bonfim chose to just say, nope, I'm done. And Fischel actually lost a pound, pound and a half, then decided to tell Bonfim, man, I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. I made weight, but I'm not taking this fight. Um, and you know what? The way he explained it, I'm, I'm proud of him. He says he's never missed weight. And he wanted to take his ability to make money away because he didn't act like a professional. And he told the fans, you should be mad at him, not me, because I'm the one that made weight. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he can. I think he has ground to stand on Vince Fischel. He's a veteran and he he had every right to, you know, consider doing that. And he did. I think even when you consider the fact that it's not like Fischel has been cashing the biggest checks we've ever seen in mixed martial arts, right? Like uh, for him to take that stance is, is, I think you have to tip your cap to him because sometimes the UFC doesn't always like that, tor- that sort of attitude. And um, that's a statement. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I bet you he never misses weight again after something like that. Imagine training all that time for something and getting absolutely nothing out of it. That that's got to hurt. So I, I got to give Pichelle his, his props in that one. As far as some of the other fights go, uh, on that same topic, I did want to talk about Mora. I, Eduardo one, Mora? Huh? Eduardo Mora? Yeah, she 
she looks so much bigger than Ruiz. Big. Or, I mean, gonna, uh, dude, she looks so much bigger. But here's my problem: when you miss weight and you get a win, I just think somebody has to get in your ear and just say, "Hey, man, you can't be celebrating like that." You know what I mean? Like you got your win. Go over there. Let them raise your hand. First thing you got to do is apologize to your opponent, apologize to the crowd, and just move on. But jumping up and down and just like, I always hate seeing that, man, when somebody misses weight like that because uh, it's it's nothing nothing to really celebrate. I wasn't aware. So she missed, oh, she did come in at 119 and a half. Holy cow. And Montserrat was 114. Okay. Yeah, I knew there was another mishap at Wayans. I didn't know it was this one. But, yeah, she was a huge favorite. She's 10 and 0. She did wreck shop for sure, but you're right. I think this is the time you just take the humble road and say, sorry for missing weight. I'm glad my opponent considered fighting me, mm -hmm. um, and it ain't going to happen again, and that's that. Yeah. Um, Elvis Brenner, I mean, that was an amazing punch considering where it came from, and the guy just dropped like a sack of potatoes. I, I was surprised that he was up so quick and coherent afterwards because he just literally, his lights went off. Um, but Brenner is kind of one of these guys, you know, when you look at Brazilian MMA, they go through so many phases, but there's been a couple times where you feel like the top dogs have are starting to move on. And that next class maybe wasn't picking up as quick. Now I think they have a new crop of fighters that are really showing a lot of potential. And this is one of them, dude, uh, that, that was really, really fun to watch a good performance. And, um, Kyle Bohio too, you know, that, that was not an easy matchup. And there were times where I thought maybe he could have put his foot a little bit more on the gas, but I understand, you know, trying to stay out of uh, danger a little bit. That was, I thought a pretty decent performance too. So um, Brazil's got like a lot of good up and coming fighters to go along with their already established veterans. Yeah. I mean, Gomes lost, Fernandez lost and, Krushuski lost to another Brazilian. Gabriel Bonfim took both Bonfim brothers. So this one lost. He took his first loss. And then the other one, uh, I believe we had a a missed weight. That's the other guy I was talking about, Ismail Bonfim. Mm -hmm. So for the Bonfim family, that was not good this weekend. Um, missing weight and getting your fight canceled. And then the other guy taking the loss, getting KO'd. I, I had predicted that this was going to be a great weekend for the Bone Team Brothers. Uh, they're pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Nicholas Dalby. He's been around the sport for a long time. He went in there. He he did his uh, veteran thing, Kyle Borjaio, for sure, 15-1 and one overall. Uh, Elvis Brenner, been a fan of him since his first fight. When he debuted, I think it was on late notice. But, man, he impressed. He showed so much heart. Um, it was the Gurum fight, Kutalazzi. Uh, or it was not, I think it was a fight night before the pay-per-view in Las Vegas or something like that. But um, he's a G, you know, he's out of the shoot box camp in Sao Paulo that um, Charles Oliveira is a part of. And we got to meet him at the UFC Fight Expo. Nice, nice fella. Really young looking kid, but he's a savage. Mm -hmm. I like, but overall fun fight card. Uh, not the world's greatest, not the worst. I'm very entertained by mixed martial arts, so Fans I can honestly it. find some pleasure in watching 
uh, Jelton Almeida rinse and repeat against Derek Lewis because I, I felt like there was these tactical battles that were occurring. It's just that Jelton Almeida always had an answer. Yeah. I thought the fans brought it too. They made it more interesting. Overall, I was entertained. Yeah. All right. Give us 10 seconds, folks. We're going to talk to Apache Mix. He's got a huge fight coming up against Sergio Pettis. And um, they are unifying the the uh, Bantamweight titles because Pettis was supposed to be in that uh, Grand Prix and he hurt himself. So he was out since the beginning. And uh, Ray Fionstotz was the interim. So when Mix beat him, he took that title from him. That would have been a title defense for Raytheon's thoughts. Interim title defenses are actually pretty rare, but it was also part of the Grand Prix. And so he took that interim title, which assured him a shot at the title, and that's why they're unifying. And and to be fair, Pettis shocked the world when he beat Patricio Frady, man. I thought Patricio was going to get his third belt, but Pettis had his way with him. So now this fight's even more amped up. I'm, I'm really, really excited to see both of these guys throw down. And um, we'll bring Patchy Mixon. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Friday. Excited to talk to Patchy Mix, who's had an incredible 2023. And he has a chance to add to it on November 17th, Bellator 301, as he unifies his title with Sergio Pettis. What's going on, Patchy? How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, took the morning off from training, uh, just getting a little rest and recovery, and then uh, I'm going to hit some grapple in a little bit. So, you know, just chilling, you know, excited two weeks, like you said closing out my camp here you know the last mm-hmm. hard week of training's here so I'm just excited to go do the damn thing yeah and you know you uh, had an incredible fight in your last fight the result i could see this ko being up for ko of the year or, you know different types of accolades a belt the money i mean it's huge and then adding this one to the mix, I don't see why you couldn't even be up for fighter of the year. How about you, man? Has it been just the greatest year of your life as well? Yeah, you know, uh, changing my game uh, after the Horiguchi fight. Um, you know, before that, no one really been able to go the distance with me besides Archuleta. And I was finishing so many people. So um, he went the distance with me, Horiguchi, that is. And uh, I was very conservative. I think I learned a lot about myself that fight. I just started training so much more after that, and now, um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm in my prime. Like, I, um, I put Magomed Magomed off to sleep. I put Rufian Stats to sleep, and um, you know, in two weeks, you know, I'm coming there to do the same. You know, uh, keep the train ro- uh, rolling and the momentum going in my favor. Yeah, um, you know, Teddy Atlas from boxing, the trainer, says once you become a champ. You're just automatically 30% better. I think he wanted to say something along the lines of it just all comes together. And then mentally, you have this air of confidence. Would you agree with what he said? I don't know, man. You know, I'm the interim champ. So maybe, you know, I don't know. Uh, I feel just as uh, just the same as before I won the title, to be honest with you, the interim title that is. Um, you know, title is just, you know, it's just a title. It just uh, doesn't change you know, who you are as a fighter, it just changes the dynamics of the fight, you know, the um, 
adds two rounds to it, you know, it uh, changes the optics, you know, 25 minutes instead of 15. And um, I think that's good for me because uh, I don't think anyone can um, survive me for 25 minutes. You're the interim champ and the Grand Prix champ. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I've noticed that, you know, everybody knows that we go to Extreme Couture a lot. I just notice it in your strut, in your being. You do look more confident to me. And I think a lot of it just comes to do with the fact that you've reached your goals. Yeah. What they say is maybe the games now start to come to you in slow motion. Everyone else is in a panic, but you're in a calm. Maybe something like that. Maybe the, uh, have you felt any of that? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, of course, financially, you know, I'm set. Um, you know, I won over a million dollars my last fight. I had a, a tremendous 2022 um, as well. And, um, you know, then leading into 2023, I capped it off by knocking out stats, winning the million, winning those belts. Um, you know, I'm in a position uh, better than ever now, um, but I'm hungrier than I've ever been now. You know, I got a taste of it, um, you know. My, you know, with winning these fights, you know, my family, my mom said I could set my sister up. I can do a lot of things I never thought I would be able to do. And um, I think that's what uh, gives me the confidence and motivates me. And um, just put it in perspective, you know, um, of course, like, like I said, winning, you know, the Grand Prix, you know, it changed my life. And um, I'm not a champion yet, you know. Uh, Sergio Pettis is the rightful um you know, undisputed world champion. And, um, you know, I'm hungrier than ever because he has the belt that I want. What do you think that feeling will be like that night? Because I have to imagine, you know, even though it is an interim belt, I'm sure you felt it. Like George said, everything that came along with it. But what do you think will be that difference and maybe the feeling on the inside for you that night? Um, you know, the, the I think the last fight, because it had so much money involved and, um, you know, I wasn't even looking at the belts. I was looking at the check, you know, and um, I was looking at how it could set my mom up, how it could take care of my family, my brothers and sisters, um, what I could do for, you know, certain people. And that was the main focus for me. So I think, you know, my last fight, it was for, you know, it was it was for everyone else, you know. And, um, you know, I'm set, you know, my family's set, you know, everyone's, everyone's in a great position. And um, I just feel like, you know, this one's for me. You know, I, I fought for this belt before I lost it. Um, against Juan Archuleta, September 12, 2020. And um, I'm here with vengeance. I'm here fully prepared this time. Um, you know, it's my fourth 25-minute fight in a row, and uh, I'm going to make it count, you know. I'm fighting the most dangerous opponent I've ever fought in Sergio Pettis. You know, he's coming off a win over Patricio Pitbull. You know, the guy that knocked out Michael Chandler, you know what I mean? Um, he's dangerous as hell right now. He's just entering in this prime, just turned 30 years old. Um, you know, it's such a dangerous fight and, uh, you know, this feeling will feel, you know, I can't even anticipate it, you know, cause I haven't felt it, you know, I don't even, I can't imagine what it will feel like, but, um, you know, I'm searching for that high, you know, I really want to finish this guy and, uh, you know, I really want to feel what it feels like to, um, take out someone of the, you know, the caliber of, uh, you know, and Sergio Pettis. Man, I'm gonna be honest with you. When you said that, I got chills. It was uh, if this were Me the too. Rocky music, the Rocky movie. That's where you hear that little ding, and the music would start to play. Because I, I I know what that feeling. That makes a lot of sense to me. What you just said, and I want to kind of maybe uh, partner up on that a little bit. As far as the career choice, you know, this isn't the most common career, and what you guys have to go through 
a lot of people don't even know about until you guys get to some of these higher levels. Are there a lot of like, I told you so's along the way? Are there a lot of feelings of, uh, you know, all the work that you put in finally paying off now? Yeah, like um, my parents didn't really have much, so, but they supported me to do this. You know what I mean? They supported my, me to chase my dreams and my goals. My grandfather, you know, he always said I'd be a world champion and he passed away uh, 2017, right before I went to Jackson Wink. And, um, and I was only 4-0 at the time. You know, I went out there, um, I trained, uh, you know, I went out there, I trained, I, um, you know, I just progressed my life. And uh, I remember I was roofing, you know, my, all these years I was like carrying shingles on roofs and then I would go to practice and I would end up fighting on the weekends. And I had a super extensive amateur record and career, you know, I was 11 and I was an amateur and then I had 19 fights and then I was 18 and one as a pro now. So out of 30 fights, I won 29 of them. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm one round removed, you know, in that Archuleta fight to potentially being 30 and 0 right now, you know, a perfect career. So, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at it um, as it all comes full circle, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, since I won, you know, became wealthy from MMA and, um, you know, now fight for world titles. Definitely a lot of I told you so to people that, you know, would doubt, you know, doubt, uh, you know, the choice in uh, career. But it was never my family. It was just always like, you know, kind of like outsiders looking in, should I say. Do you think that you've built the type of career where when people say best band and weight ever or on the planet or whatever, and they talk about Cruz and Dillashaw and Sterling, and I know yeah. Mally holds the bell yet, but he's yet to really stack up his resume. But does something like that motivate you? Because, man, I'm telling you, this is my favorite division. And yeah. it's stacked worldwide, not just the UFC, but Bellator comes strong with weights as well. Um, so are, do you carry that chip on your shoulder as well, where you want to maybe, like, get involved yeah. in that kind of conversation? Um, yeah, I mean, TJ Dillashaw's record 17-5, and five, and he had, like, 11 finishes. You know, much respect to him. It's just because his fights were promoted, you know. They were just promoted to such a high degree. You know, I'm 18-1 and one with, um, you know, 14 finishes already, and I'm just getting started. So it motivates me, yeah, to see like where I'm at now and to see the potential. You know, I want to, um, I want to pu push it to numbers. Like, you know, you know who motivates me is like Islam Makachev. You know, twenty-four. Mm -hmm. Yo, Tatiana, Tat, can you please grab that? One sec, sorry, I'm in an interview. Yeah, Words. just motivates me for um, for numbers like. Is on um, Makachev, um, uh, you know those, you know those types of guys. You know, he, I think he's like twenty-five and one. Even Volkanovski, you know, twenty-six and two. You know, I mean those numbers. You know, right now I'm eighteen and one, and um, I just want to push it. You know, what I mean, uh, push my um, my credentials, my record, to uh, you know a much further degree, and um, just you know, just keep adding to it. You know, like last time was my first knockout. You know, you know who's to say mm -hmm. I can't be a submission specialist and a knockout artist like Charles Oliveira, you know. There's so many people to look up to in this game. And uh, like you said, yeah, I chase those people that are, you know, involved in those conversations as the GOATs, you know, especially in my weight class, Dominic Cruz, Dillashaw, um, Aljamain Sterling, even Marab, you know, he's killing it over their nine-fight win streak. So, it's you know, it's great to see. What's a fight night like in the extended mix family? So your family and your friends are some going to make it to Chicago? Have you already heard of people getting together? 
uh, yeah. you know, to, to watch your fight and root you on? Yeah, I have about 50 people in Chicago. I had a lot of people oh, come. Nice. I had a lot of people come to Hawaii, but this time, you know, it's a, like a seven hour, eight hour drive from where I'm from in New York. And, right. uh, you know, I have so many people there, um, a humongous squad. More importantly, I have, um, you know, a lot of people from my team helping me. You know, I need a lot of help with like my weight cut, my, you know, the week. I like to, um, I like to be surrounded by my family and friends throughout the week. So I'm not isolated and just like focusing, thinking about the fight. You know, a lot of, a lot of people like to be isolated. I kind of don't. I like to um, be around the people I love, uh, treat it as normal days and, um, you know, just go and perform, you know, go enjoy what I do, go have fun. And um, if I'm having fun, I'm very, very dangerous. If I'm loose and relaxed, I'm very dangerous. So, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to doing. And, um, you know, I'm hoping I get the best version of him too, you know. He's dangerous as hell too. So, you know, I'm excited. Uh, you know, it gets me up at night to uh, be able to compete against these types of opponents. Yeah. Well, two weeks. That's all it is. Uh, it's going to go by fast. Wish you the best of luck with your work, remaining sessions, training sessions. Your weight cut, your travels, of course. We'll be tuning in. Bellator 301, folks, you got to check it out. Patchy makes Sergio Menes. They unify the interim and undisputed titles. And, yeah, I mean, this this division is popping. So this will be a shaker, a mover and a shaker when it comes to the Vandalweight rankings as well. I can't wait to, di to dive into it the following week when we do the rankings at USA Today and MMA Junkie. And, Patchy, I want to thank you so much, as always, for the time here on MMA Junkie Radio. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend, too. All right. You too, man. Take care. He seemed to be in good spirits, huh? Yeah. Um, really, I, I thought that was one of his, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but I thought that was one of his best interviews, the things he was saying, the mindset he was in. Him. Yeah, he, he's really got things cleared because there's so many reasons to uh, not take a fight off, but like just be complacent and happy with the things that he's already accomplished. And to know that it's not good enough, you know, like like he's doing, like he said, he's doing this one for him. That really gets you motivated and pumped up to see this fight. Exactly. And I always like it when someone, you know, talks about repaying, you know, his mom and taking care of her. And I think he mentioned the sister. So that's pretty cool. Says 50 people are coming down to the fight in Chicago. He's from the Buffalo area, if I'm not mistaken, originally. So if you look at a map from the United States, Buffalo's Western New York. This fight's taking place in Chicago. And uh, so it's not the world's longest drive, but that's uh, that's awesome. You know, like I say, he's having a great year. And this could really, really put a cherry on top. He would maybe be up for some awards at the World MMA Awards if he can win the Grand Prix title, the interim title, and the undisputed title, granted, albeit in two fights. But still, the Bantamweight tournament had some really, really good talent on it. So it's always a long shot when it's a non-UFC fighter to win these awards. But I'm telling you, that knee was beautiful against oh, yeah. Raytheon Stotts. And the year he's had is quite the year. Definitely. Good, good for him. I'm not so sure he understands. I really liked that he gave Sergio Pettis his props and respect, but I don't know if Patchy Mix has figured out yet probably the emotions on the other side. I think people are really starting to respect him and are afraid of him 
as well. You know, like that's got to be menacing seeing him standing on the other side, considering now he's got a knockout. He can submit you. He's got cardio. He comes from a good gym. Like that's intimidating with, within itself. So this dude, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, the same way Aljamain Sterling had a the ability to take you down, take your back, and control you. That's what this guy can do. This guy's not only a danger to uh, take you down. Honestly, if you get taken down, you're you're lucky if you get up and it's only 10-9. If you survive the round and you walk back to your corner and it's only 10-9, you're lucky. This guy has the ability to just get a hold of you, especially if it's early, dominance, duration, and if he can put some damage in there, he has a good chance at a 10-8. He's really, really good at that. And like Go said, he's opened up his offense. Um, now he got himself a TKO win. So we'll see. We'll see what happens against Sergio Pettis. I'm looking forward to it. Some good fights on that fight card. And, uh, of course, we'll be promoting it even more as we get closer to it. Uh, we also have, uh, what is it, Chavalee against um, Pitbull, I believe. They're, they're finishing out that lightweight Grand Prix. It's all confusing because... Bellator 301 is really the last thing on the books as far as Bellator is concerned. And what we need to know is, well, well what's what's their future? Is there Bellator 302? Does PFL control them? Does the UFC buy them? Does someone else that we don't know come in and save the day? You know, we don't know. We know that it's Amosov against Jackson in the main event. Mm -hmm. uh, that's for the undisputed welterweight title. The Pattis mix fight is a unification. It's Patricky Pitbull against Alexander Chabali. That one's for the um, Grand Prix that's going on with the lightweights. So yeah. I just don't know that, that that's not a final, by the way. <laughs> so what I'm what I'm wondering is is what would happen to that final if and when they get sold. Exactly. Stotts is running it back against Sabatello and uh, AJ McKee, one of their biggest names. He fights Sydney Outlaw, Chicago native Daniel James has Ali Isaiah, who took down a uh, PFL heavyweight tournament once, or regular season and playoff, I should say. So they got some really, really good talent there. It's on November 17th in Chicago, and Showtime's got you covered. But that, I believe, is their last fight card of the year, and I believe they're shutting down boxing, at least Showtime's association. No boxing, mm -hmm. no MMA going forward. So a lot of question marks out there. Yeah, totally. It's uh, an end of an era, possibly here, but we'll see. Hopefully, I can't imagine what it would be like to not complete that Grand Prix for those fighters. So, I would imagine whatever the next step is, if somebody comes in and purchases or whatever, you got to let that play out, and then and then figure out what your plans are moving forward. Yep, I agree. Um, just a couple things here. I know we talked a lot about Jelton Almeida, but he did say, give me Cyril gone. So at least while Aspinall and Pavlovich and Jones and Miocic and those guys are figuring that out, I did like that call out. It's a respected name, former interim champ. Um, so I got to give him credit for at least pivoting and moving towards that rather than worrying about being an alternate fighter. Charles Oliveira, though, this guy trips me out. He there's a rumor out there that UFC 297 might be the rematch with Islam Makashev. And um, but he kind of acted surprised at the news out there of a January clash against the champ. Now, that specific pay-per-view is supposedly going to Toronto. So it just seems like 
Charles Oliveira for being the big name that he is either plays dumb or just is disconnected from his management team or something because how can this be like this surprise or this shock I guess yeah he's he's been a little odd since uh since his stock has rised uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know if it's arrogance or or what it is or if it's just playing playing dumb but it, it is just one odd thing after another like even just seeing his demeanor the way he, he acts is a, very strange to me man I, I really don't understand it and he's very likable when you look at like the type of game that he brings it's somebody that you want to see compete but I, I just I don't get him me neither in July he was telling us I don't want to go to Abu Dhabi I want to fight in Sao Paulo well Sao Paulo is a fight night well they've had other fight nights well I guess technically you're right but Abu Dhabi is a big partner of the UFC Makashev is their guy. He's penciled in. So do you really want to give up the title shot? And I think he said he was willing to. And then lo and behold, no, he wasn't. He was booked to fight. Then he gets the deep cut. Now he's kind of like, hmm, I don't know what's going on. I mean, you got to remember, I think the UFC can just basically say, well, hold on a second. I got someone on the other line. Hang on a second. Chucky Olives. Gagey, how you doing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They got a quality guy in Gagey who they'll throw in if this guy just kind of still plays this who me, you know, I don't know what's going on game. Like there's, I, I don't know. Like I, I wish I would hear some, something more of substance from him. Yeah. And you got to be careful even then with Gagey. Cause Gagey's one of those guys that's for always forever said, like, I like my camps, you know, I'm not just going to jump in and, and fill in. And to be fair to Oliver a little bit, like, all right, Shoshenko and, uh, and Grasso did that was a fight night and it mm -hmm. was for a title but uh yeah I just I don't know I don't know if his management doesn't explain things to him or if he just feels like maybe he's a bigger star than he actually is I don't know but that uh that's got to change a lot it's just a very very odd approach that same conversation in July he kept saying he won't be ready but three weeks later he'd be ready in Sao Paulo that's a dumb reason I hear that you want Sao Paulo, but you were better off saying Shashenko defended against Liz Carmouche in Uruguay. That was a fight night. Shashenko and Alexa Grasso just fought. That was a fight night. Don't say that because you're still in July. It was early July. He wouldn't be ready for the third week in October, which is August, September, October. That's three and a half months he said he wouldn't be ready. But, oh, two, three weeks later in Sao Paulo, he'd be ready. Give me a break. Mm. <laughs> You know, like ask Drikas Duplessis about, you know, maybe not having enough time to get ready. You know, the, his arguments are just not well planned out, well rehearsed. Um, yeah, so that's just the problem I've had. I, I haven't had a problem with this fighting game for years. I, he used to be a little bit of a quitter, kind of. Um, but, I mean, he turned things around, won 10 straight, won a world title. Unofficially, I think you could probably say he has three title defenses. I know there's a whole weight botch or whatever, but um, he was doing good until he ran into Makashev. And I think he ran into Makashev because he just he got outworked. You know, he yeah. got outworked, and that other guy had a game face on fight night, and Oliver didn't. Um, okay, another thing. Another thing I wanted to bring up here. Let me see if I can find it. 
where to go, where to go, where to go, where to go. Or was that it? No, I thought that was something else I wanted to tell you. Oh, did you see the X fighter that um, took down an assailant, a knife wielding assailant in Florida? Yeah. So the guy's name is Javier Baez. He fought to a five, two, and one record, respected, wrestled in college, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, trains at MMA Masters. He was in this car outside his apartment at 4 a.m. when some guy knocked on his window with a knife. This guy, um, he got out of the car. You know, a lot of us would probably say, uh, can I help you? And pretty much start the car and get the hell out of here. Hell yeah. Who's trying to get involved with someone with a knife, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy said, nah, let me get out. Let's talk. And fucking slam the shit out of him, goes. <laughs> Submitted him. <laughs> The guy gave up, and then he turned him over to the Miami police. Dude, that's nuts. I mean, I, I don't open that door for no one. I just get the hell out of there. I can't believe he would uh, take that chance and that slam, especially where it was. You know, that was no grass. That mm-hmm. he, he hit that hard. So That was a hard, hard. They probably knocked the wind out of him, probably bumped his head. At the very least. Yeah, and look, he had a 14-inch knife, but you you know, this is Florida, man. Those a lot of people are strapped as well. Um plus, that guy might have a partner waiting, you know, on the other side of the car or whatever, like that's why it was pretty ballsy for this guy to do it, but I tip my hat, mm-hmm. I tip my hat for him doing it. Um but it's on Junkie if you guys want to check it out. We got video of it and everything. All right, folks, listen. There's really not too much to talk about. Uh, from this past weekend, the Sao Paulo card went down. We had great coverage of it. Uh, congrats again to the big winner, Jelton Almeida. And as far as uh, Patchy Mix, thank you for your time, Patchy Mix. Keep an eye on him on Friday, November 17th in Chicago. The fights will be on Showtime. YouTube does their prelims. You can see those on MMA Junkie. And you got a couple title fights there and a semifinal for the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix, which I, I wish I could remember. Let me look it up real quick and then we'll go. The other side of the Grand Prix, who's that fresh name? Oh, it's probably Usman, huh? Usman Nurmagomedov. Yeah. yeah. He just bit, what was it? Um, the, 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 the young guy that beat um, Chandler with those kicks. Premise. Primus, that's right. He beat him in the other semifinal. So that's who awaits the winner of Shabali and uh, Patriki. All right, cool. I got that out of the way. And then the last thing was this weekend, uh, if you ever want to know what's going on this weekend, the tab called Schedule at the top will tell you. It's pretty easy. UFC 295. We'll have a pay-per-view watch-along here on MMA Junkie, myself and goes. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, four prelims, and then the pay-per-view. Remember, you can't watch the pay-per-view. If you watch us, we tell you what's happening during the pay-per-view. So hopefully for, uh, you join us for that. We love doing it, and this one should be a, a pretty big card. Um, and a quick plug for Spinning Backlick, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, every Monday. Check it out. Tomorrow it's myself goes dan tom and danny segura and the other thing i was going to say was the 30 greatest ufc fighters in history we are down to i believe number eight amanda nunez was today i know there's been a lot of controversy a lot of debate some high-fiving some fist bumping 
We're proud of it. Hopefully you guys are digging it. But tomorrow we unveil number seven and we count them down. And I think, Goz, you were going to give us a little countdown of 20 through 11 for your yeah. favorite foods. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up to that on the next show. Okay. okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, folks. We're out of here. Enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend, whatever's left. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.